Welcome to Alive, a Vineyard College ministry with the purpose to awaken students to their true relationship, identity, and destiny in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy this message today. And if you want to connect with us, you can follow us on Facebook at Alive Vineyard College Family or Instagram at Alive Vineyard College. I'm going to introduce our guest speaker tonight. Clay is in the UK for a vineyard conference, so be praying for him. Um, but this this week, tonight, we have Jamie, and she is from Sullivan, where she lives with her husband and her two kids, occasionally some foster kids. She is a pastor at our Sullivan campus and grew up in Aurora with four younger siblings and also had some foster siblings growing up. Jamie has a passion for Jesus and spreadsheets, which as a type three on the Enneagram, I really support that. Um, she is currently growing as a communicator and loves to share her journey in finding her identity as a daughter of the one true king. So give it up for Jamie. Give her a nice welcome. Yes. Tell me when you can hear me. Okay. How are you guys? This is awesome. I love being here. You have such a great just atmosphere. And you guys are blessed with an amazing team. I got so many text messages this week, and I'm like, I don't know who this is. But they were all just welcoming and loving. And they really work, your team works throughout the week to make sure that this event goes off with love. And I really appreciate that. I hope you guys do too. So brag on your team for a little bit. Um, I don't know if they told you, because I don't really know how it works here, but I don't know if they told you the title of what I'm going to talk about, but if they did, just forget it. Because after I started praying into the topic of Holy Spirit, which is all Clay told me, by the way. Do you know Clay? He doesn't ever give you a lot of information. He's like, hey, will you talk about Holy Spirit? Yeah. Like, what? Right? Like, okay, so what about it? He's like, yeah, girl, whatever, whatever you think. I'm like, because that's a pretty broad topic. And so I think I told him something about freedom from fear, which is true. But as I was really praying into him, like, I don't even want to instill that. I really want to instill that Holy Spirit empowers us to love. So we're going to focus on the love part and not so much on the fear part, although I understand that that is something that comes into our lives every day and um, probably affects you college kids, because I remember being where you are. So we are in the topic of Holy Spirit. I understand that over the past couple of weeks, you've been talking about Holy Spirit in some different ways. So what I want to ask you tonight is I just want you to clear your mind. And when I say the phrase, Holy Spirit ministry, what comes to your mind? And so you can shout something out if, if something comes to your mind. Okay, prophecy, lying on the ground, speaking in tongues, food. Did I hear food? <laughs> and there's no wrong answer here, by the way. Well, I guess it could be, but none of these answers seem, seem wrong. Um, and so, like, when I think about Holy Spirit ministry, I have some different thoughts myself. And so that's why when Clay was like, speak on Holy Spirit ministry, I was like, wow, because that could be a lot. Um, I grew up in the Salvation Army. How many people know that the Salvation Army is a church, not just a mission or a thrift store? 
It is. It's a church. The Salvation Army meets every Sunday. They have church just like all the other churches. Actually, that's how they started off as a church. So I grew up in the Salvation Army. One thing about the Salvation Army, the way I grew up, was I understood that there was a Holy Spirit that's really about it. I didn't really know much of anything else. Now, I love and value the Salvation Army, even today. Um, We don't have a Salvation Army in Sullivan, um, but I love the Salvation Armies around, and I think they're a great place. One thing that I felt that I missed out on, though, was some aspects of the Holy Spirit and how Holy Spirit can empower me in my life today. So when I was about 18 or 19, I was like going, I wanted to go from one spectrum to the next. Like I just was like, I'm going to go to a spirit-filled church, okay? So I found like the most spirit-filled church that I could find, and I went there. And they had this big conference, and I'm like, this is it. And what happened was in this church, they believed that if you basically didn't speak in tongues on command, you weren't really saved. And so that's what was told to me. And I came with such expectancy. And there was, oh, it was a conference. So there was, it was a huge amphitheater. I mean, thousands of people. And I beelined it to the front. So you know I came, like I wanted something. And to be up there and I see everyone rolling on the ground and speaking in tongues. And I'm not judging. It wasn't me, but I'm like, I want this. I was excited for it. I'm like, if this is what it is, then I want it. To have someone then to say, well, you know what? If you can't do this, then you're not saved. And I, have you ever been in that spot when you're like, do you fake it? Because <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I didn't. And I walked out of there believing that I was not saved. I walked out of there believing that everything that I had ever done in my life was not good enough for God because he didn't give me the gift of tongues. And so I was not saved. And if I died in the car accident on the way home, I was going to hell. And that's just how I felt. And that affected me for years. So I was about 18 or 19. Then I landed on the college campus here. And I lived at the atrium, which was right next door to the vineyard, by the way. This is how dense I was. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was a church. <laughs> and I lived right next door to it. Um, so I lived right next door to the atrium. And I was living my life with the belief that I wasn't saved anyway. So I'm like, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to have fun on my way. Is, can anyone relate to that? I mean, no one in this room ever. But maybe you know somebody who might be living that way. And that's what I did. Um, so, I, that's a, I don't need to go down there, that rapid trail, but you know where I'm getting at. That's how I lived. Like, I partied, I had inappropriate relationships, did drugs, like anything that could be done for me to think I was having a good time, that's what I did, and it never fulfilled the need. So, when I think about Holy Spirit ministry, I either think about that time in, of my life at the Salvation Army, which is great, but like no one ever raised their hands. There was no praying for healing, like something was lacking. Or I think about people rolling on the ground and speaking in tongues and someone telling me I wasn't saved. So it's from, you know, one extreme to the next. And so I imagine when you think about Holy Spirit ministry, it's, it's maybe somewhere in between there. So what I want to propose tonight is I want to talk about Holy Spirit, but I want us to come to an understanding that we all have different ideas And they're not all wrong or right. They're different. And they're probably based a lot of on our own circumstances. So I want you to clear your mind of that. And I want to take some time, and I just want to talk about biblically who is Holy Spirit. Okay? So we're going to erase everything in our minds, and we're going to talk about who is Holy Spirit. So 
we're going to go through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I think when I was doing my studies after this, I thought this makes total sense of why we all have a different idea of who Holy Spirit is. So we're going to talk about the sequence here. So in Hebrew, the word for spirit is, brace yourself, ruach. You got to like choke on it, okay? It's ruach. So, so say it. Everyone say it. Ruach. Yeah, yeah, you got to clear your throat. I'm going to try and be nice to the people that like have to disinfect the microphone. So I'm not going to do it. But the more you clear your throat, the closer you are to the word. So ruach in Hebrew, see Hebrew is like a simple language, okay? And simplicity is great in, in some in cases and in other cases it's not. But in this case, I think it's good. It's very simple. And so ruach actually means in Hebrew, any breath. Wind, mind, or spirit. So anytime you are reading the Old Testament and you see the word breath, wind, mind, or spirit, the original Hebrew word is rock. So you can say it out loud when you're reading just for some extra fun. And so what, so what they believed, and I think it's... I think it's true. I think they were onto something here, these original biblical Hebrew writers, was that that was all God's spirit, okay? And so they believe that God has a ruach, you have a ruach, and there are some even spirits around us that have their own ruach, their own will, their own agendas. So when you breathe in, everyone breathe in. That's ruach. Breathe out. That's ruach. What are you thinking about right now? Don't say it out loud, but what are you thinking about? The thought is ruach. When you have an idea, that's ruach. When you have an emotion, when you feel something, anything mental or in your mind, the Hebrew writers would say that's ruach. When you go outside and you feel the wind on your face, when you see the leaves blowing in the wind, that wind, that unseen force is ruach. And so the Hebrew writers have that one word, for a very vast meaning. So moving forward to the New Testament, we have, it's a not quite as fun word, but it's um, pneuma. Make sure that's right, because I, I can't even remember it because it's not as fun, pneuma. Um, and so whenever you read the words in the New Testament, mind, uh, spirit, wind, it's pneuma. So you can, you can think about that when you read it, pneuma. But what's cool about the writers of the New Testament, see, now we're in Greek. And we're many, many hundreds of years from the Hebrew time to the Greek time. Language has evolved. And so the, the writers in the Greek, they want to give us some, um, some more context. Okay? So if I could, I need a volunteer. This guy. You look enthused. Can you come up here? <laughs> Thumbs up. Okay. Okay, so you're going to be, you're rock, rock, <laughs> you're rock. So you're my Hebrew word, rock. You're very simple, which is a good thing. You're not very complicated. It's like just things are rock. Okay, so you're going to be, you're going to be the Greek. This is going to be the illustration that I think why sometimes we can be timid with Holy Spirit ministries, but we're going to start with this. What's your name? John. John. We're going to start with John. John's very simple. He represents the Hebrew rock. Hold on. I got to like get spit in my mouth. Rock. Okay. 
Then several hundred years later, we have New Testament authors, and they're writing in Greek, and they use the word pneuma. Who's going to be my pneuma? I need a pneuma. Imager. I need to get that shirt, by the way. All right. So, you're, so now, now we have, we're both talking about Holy Spirit, but we have the rock, and we have, what's your name? Zach, okay, and Zach is going to be our pneuma. Now, Zach is a little more creative, okay, because he's, he's Greek, and, he, and he's going to be a little bit more creative. Are you a creative person? They're all laughing like this like, makes sense. Okay, here's, here's how they're different, though. Both, both good, but here's how they're different. John believes that you already understand what Ruach is. He's not going to explain it. He believes that you already understand it. So when Hebrews wrote to Hebrews, they believed that everyone already stood every, understood everything that they're writing about. So they didn't give a whole lot of context. So they didn't give a whole lot of context for the concepts like the Holy Spirit. They just believed that you already understood it. You should know this. It's like when you're married or you're in a long-term relationship. Don't you know me? Like You should just assume that you know. And The language was very, the words, the vocabulary was very simple, but the language was actually very complex, okay? Here's an example. Did you know that the first verse, the first chapter of Genesis 1 in the original Hebrew text is seven words? The second verse is seven times two, and the third verse is seven times three. Now, if you're Hebrew, you're just supposed to know that. It's not explained to you. Every Hebrew knew that. And every Hebrew knows that's a pattern. And if you have a seven pattern, every Hebrew knows that you're supposed to read the sentence and then look at the first, the middle, and the last word and read between the lines. And so the, f- the middle word of the first sentence of the Bible is the word et. And it's actually two letters. The first letter is the first letter of the alphabet, and the second letter is the last letter of the alphabet, meaning the beginning and the end. And you're just supposed to get that. And so you're just supposed to know when you read Genesis and when you're reading that topic that you're reading about the beginning and the end. You're supposed to know that there is a pattern of seven. And you're supposed to know that if the pattern of seven breaks, it's for a reason and you better pay attention. Guess when the pattern of seven breaks? On the Sabbath. You're on it. I know. It's going to be recorded. It's going to be recorded. So it's on the Sabbath. Okay, so the Hebrew writer or the Hebrew reader is just supposed to know. Just supposed to know this stuff, John. So what is is the pattern that breaks? Does anyone want to know what the pattern is that breaks? Yes, everyone wants to know. And every day, I'm losing this. Sorry, I'm going to fix it. And every day before the seventh day, there is a reference in the pattern of seven of time, day or night, but there's not on the Sabbath, and you are just supposed to know that. So when, when the Sabbath comes, and then when Jesus says, I am the Sabbath, what is he saying? I am eternity. I have no beginning. I have no end. I'm breaking the pattern, okay? So we're all just supposed to know this, and that is just one example. So when we talk about rock, they just believe that the, write, the readers just believe that Hebrews just know this. They're very simple. You should, just, you should just know this. One word, several meanings, lots of implications. Now, come over here to Zach, right? Okay, so Zach, though, he's writing to different people. Zach in the Greek New Testament, he is writing to believers and Gentiles. 
people that understood Hebrew and people that didn't. So he's like, I have to write this in a way that they get it because they don't know seven times one in the first sentence and seven times two in the second and seven times three in the third and that there's a pattern and they don't know this stuff. So he, when he writes, he has to give context, especially for the Gentiles, which for most of us, that's us. So he wants to provide some extra context. Here's an example. So Zach, our our, uh, Greek writer, is telling the story of Jesus being baptized. And so how many know the story? He's baptized, he's in the water, and the spirit comes like a dove. Okay. The word that he's using there is still pneuma. He's actually referencing John in Genesis 1 when he says the spirit is hovering over the waters. It's a hyperlink. But he has to explain it because not everybody understands that Hebrew context. So he says, hovering like a dove. How many people love to be on the lake? Okay, we live right by Lake Shelbyville. We have a boat, and we are there anytime that we can be there. And the birds, they they come down, and they hover on the water. So Zach is putting something into context for you because he's like, they're not going to get the hyperlink to Genesis 1 if I just say that. So I want to put it, I want to describe it, and I want to say, like a dove, so beautiful. And some um, translations and some, the way it's recorded in some different ways, will say, like, the heavens opened, and the, and I don't know what word, it's like um, some of them say, not forcefully, but like, powerfully comes down and some just say ascend like a dove but they're trying to describe it to you so they're giving more context okay so now we had something simple that got a little bit more broad which is good it's not a bad thing okay now let's talk about english how many words do we have for the same thing in english lots we have lots of words. So even thinking about like mind, just let's just pick one concept for spirit for mind. We've got mind, we have mental, we have thoughts, we have ideas, we have emotions. We have, I mean, the list goes on and on. So the vocabulary words just even get bigger. So on top of that, we translated the Bible into English many different ways. How many people want to guess how many versions there are of the English Bible? More than 200. More than 300. More than 450. So I need 450 volunteers. (laughs) Okay, how about we just pretend there's five more people up here and each person represents 100 people, okay? So the point that I want to make to you is that we started off with a simple concept of spirit, And then when the Greek writers, they wanted to make sure, which is not a bad thing, but they wanted to make sure that the Gentiles who didn't understand Hebrew would understand the concept of spirit. And so they talked about it and gave it some more context. And each writer was a little bit different and may explain it in a little bit of a different way depending on their experience and who they were writing to. And then we have the English Bible that comes along that people died for, by the way, for us to have. And now we have 450 translations, which I think is beautiful. Sometimes what happens, unfortunately, is either something really isn't translated correctly or when we read it, we interpret it not correctly. And that can be 
damaging when we think about especially topics like spirit. Then we need to think about churches. How many churches do we have? And several churches may use different um, versions of the Bible, and then they have their own interpretations. You guys can sit down. Thank you so much. And so I wanted to just release us. I wanted to release you guys, and I want you guys to take that release and that grace to your friends, back to your churches, back to people you talk to, and just understand that if someone has a different concept of Holy Spirit than you do, that is why. It's not just them not getting it, or it's not just you not getting it. It's just a misfortunate thing that has happened through the course of time. But it's important for us to have a concept of who Holy Spirit is biblically. So I was thinking about the best way to talk to you guys about that. I'm like, God, what do college students want? What is going to help them understand the concept of Holy Spirit? You know what he said, no doubt? Study notes. And I'm like, no, like no college student wants study notes. Here's the thing. I wish I had more time to talk. And so I have prepared study notes. I don't want you to take them and read them tonight. I don't want you to worry about them. I want you to have them if the moment comes up and you want to know a little bit more. So they're on the back table. They're free. You can just take it when you walk out. You can throw it away if you want. But I think, I think keep it just in case you want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, Oh, I wanted to give you this fun illustration about, uh, about spirit. So Ecclesiastes 7, 9, if we look at the Hebrew, I'm going to geek out a little bit here, okay? If we look at the Hebrew context and we read it just word from word Hebrew, this is what it says. Not do hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger in the bosom of fools rests. Okay. Not do hasten in your spirit to be angry for anger in the bosom of fools rests. Okay, so that's the Hebrew, just word for word. God's words translation says, don't be quick to get angry because anger is typical of fools. New International Version says, do not be quickly provoked, new concept, provoked, in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. New Living Translation Control your temper. That's the one I resonate with. I'm Mexican. I'm Hispanic. I don't know if you guys have any Mexican friends, but sometimes we can have some tempers. I always tell my husband, I'll take my shoe off. I'll take my shoe off and hit you with it. Okay, so control your temper for anger labels you a fool. Different. International Standard Version says never be in a hurry to become internally anger, angry since anger settles down in the lap of fools. And the contemporary English version says, only fools get angry quickly and hold a grudge. I like how they like put that in, hold a grudge. Not in the original text. But I can, I can see why you'd want to add that. That's just one verse. There's more than 23,000 verses. So... What I don't want to do is instill fear. Why should I read the Bible? It's contradictory. Not only are these words translated different, but even some things on one verse will say something completely different on another verse. And what I would want to empower you guys with is Holy Spirit. That's why we need Holy Spirit, because he's our teacher. 
You don't have to know Hebrew. That's the great thing about Holy Spirit with working with you. You don't have to know Hebrew. He can talk to you when you read the verses, and he can explain to you what this means and how you can apply it in your life today. So that's the amazing thing. I think that is the beauty of the Bible. I was listening to, um, oh, Johnson, Bill Johnson, and he gave this analogy that was like, oh, that makes so much sense. Um, How many people like to cook? Oh, can you make me some food? Um, I'm not a good cook. Uh, I don't even want to get into some of the stories. I have had meltdowns over pancakes, and it's just the ones that you add water to, like just the mix. I just can't get it right, and then I add a little bit more mix, and then it's too thick, and I add a little bit more water, and it's too thin. I have a huge pan full of mix, and I just throw it away and I cry. It's a true story. It really did happen. Um, So I just stay away from that now. But I have had to learn how to cook some new things because I follow a keto plan. I don't know if any of you know that, but I follow a keto plan because I had a tumor. And I go to Mayo Clinic for it every year. And my doctor said, you know what? If you will limit your sugar, you won't feed these tumors. And so I researched some different sugar-free plans, and I decided to go with the ketogenic plan. I've been doing that for several years, and for me, it's great. But I've had to learn how to cook new things. And I've, I've met some friends who like to cook ketogenic meals. And I eat the meal, and it's good. Have you ever gone to, like, a really nice restaurant, and you eat something, and it's like heaven in your mouth? Okay, and then, and, but then you get the recipe for it. And so I'm like, I need this recipe because I need to make this myself. And there's stuff in there that I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. That's gross. I've had that. This part's good. I like this part. And so you know what I've done is I've gone to the store and I've like tried to substitute things. Like I don't like that ingredient, so I'm going to substitute it with this. I don't know what that is, but this kind of sounds the same, so maybe that's going to work. I like this a little bit more, so I'm going to add more of this. I like that a little bit less, so I'm going to add a little bit. And I'm trying to create like my own thing. And what do you think happens when I take a bite of it? But if I just would follow the recipe and put in there what's supposed to be in there, when it all comes together, it's actually really good. And the Bible's like that right? There are some verses that were like, I don't understand that. I don't even know what that means. There are some verses that are a little bland. Like, why is that even in here? That surely can't provide any taste to what the recipe calls for. You know those like begot verses, right? So-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, and it's like chapters of that. To me, I think those are the bland. You know, it's like really, but does that really add to the whole meal? But they do. And it's with all of it together. And so when we read the Bible, when we think about Holy Spirit, even the things that don't make sense to us, put it all together, all while having relationship with Holy Spirit and Jesus to talk to us about the recipe. Because then when we, when we eat it that way, right? The Bible, when we eat it that way, it's so good. And we're like, wow, even these bland things make sense now. It all starts to come to life. So what does the Holy Spirit empower us to do? These things are the things that are in your study notes. They're biblical. So if you want to test it, please do. Please look them up. The scripture references are in that study guide that's in the back. Um, I'm not going to take the time to go over each scripture, but it's there for you to look at. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to dream. Who dreamt in the Bible? Joseph. Joseph. Daniel, 
Joseph was actually the first reference in the Bible of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. And what, his, what he did was dream in that reference. And so dreamers in the room, even if you, I was telling Nita on the way up here, I was like, I had a dream that Dolly Parton was at my house. <laughs> okay, so dreams are fun. But dreams are a gift from God. They are from Holy Spirit. So if you dream, know that's a gift and ask God for more. If you have nightmares, know that Satan's trying to attack your gift. <laughs> that's what helped me. That's what helped me because I had nightmares growing up. I had things that, I'm not going to go into detail tonight, but I've had things that have happened to me growing up that have scarred, did scar me and gave me nightmares every night. I have horrible nightmares. And then I felt like God was like, but you are a dreamer. This is a gift. And I'm like, well, then of course it makes sense that Satan's going to try and come in and distort it and make me afraid, make me afraid of a gift that God gave me. I was afraid to go to bed at night. So if you have nightmares, this is where the fear is. We're going to take the fear out, and God is empowering you to have that gift. So we just pray against that so that you can have amazing dreams because it's a gift, biblical gift. We can bring life. We can speak life into things when we're empowered with the Holy Spirit. We can restore relationships, we can restore families, we can restore marriages. I'm a product of all of those myself, so I know that's true. Uh, I think Clay talked to you guys last week, so I won't go into a lot of detail about it, but you are empowered to prophesy. And that is biblical, and the scripture references are back there, but rock, rock, oh, gosh, I have to drink a lot of water after this, and Numa, the Holy Spirit can influence our minds to give us information that we would otherwise not know. Same thing with Daniel when he knew the dreams and what they meant. We can have information that we would otherwise not know. We can also be empowered to make decisions. This was, this is like my life story. So when my husband and I were married about seven years, we both, we separated and we both had affairs. I had many. <laughs> It's horrible. And Holy Spirit came to me one day, which is also proof that Holy Spirit is after people even when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay? I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing. And Holy Spirit came to me, and I knew that I knew that I knew that he wanted to restore my marriage. And then I'm like, okay, if you really want me to do that, then God, you're just going to have to give me dreams because I'm a dreamer, and you're going to have to give me dreams. And you know, I did. I'm like, dang, okay, God, but uh, that was just one dream, and I probably just dreamt it because I was thinking about it. So if it really should be a thing, give me another dream, and, and he did. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. So every night I had dreams, and they were different, but they were all about God restoring my marriage. And so I had to make a choice that was against anything I ever thought. And I thought this meant that I was going to be married to a man that I didn't love for the rest of my life. This meant that I was never going to have sex again. And that was a big deal because I was having sex with a lot of people. And so, like, I'm never going to have sex again. I'm going to be with someone that I don't love for the rest of my life. But you know what? I cannot deny that Holy Spirit spoke to me, so I'm going to do it. And you can apply this in your everyday lives. You know when Holy Spirit's talking to you. The first way you can know it is because it's not your own thought. <laughs> Like, I was like, this is not my own thought to be back with someone after what we have gone through. And so I will never forget, I, I broke off my relationship with the guy that I was with currently. I moved back in, and months and months and months went by. One day, I don't know if this is TMI, one day, 
my husband dropped something on the floor, and he bent over to pick it up. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I kid you not. And then I, I freaked out. Like, I went to the bathroom. I felt like I needed a shower. It was gross. It was like thinking about that, like your own brother. Like, it was just, I just couldn't believe it. Anyway, one thing led to another. We were remarried, and we are celebrating 16 years. And so it's awesome. Holy Spirit can do amazing things, and he can do it through you guys. Holy Spirit so empowers us to make choices. You know the right choice to make, little or big. And so Holy Spirit in you empowers you to make the right choices. Holy Spirit empowers us to heal the sick, raise the dead, and feed the poor. It's interesting, in Paul's letters to Christians, Christians, so most of us in this room, Paul's letter to Christians say that the Holy Spirit is equated with the presence of God and the presence of Jesus. So going back to um, what we think when we think about Holy Spirit ministry, that's what I want to think about. I want to think about the presence of God and the presence of Jesus. And of all the English words that I can think to describe that is love. And so when I think about Holy Spirit ministry, I want God to help me to only think about love and what that looks like every day for me. When I came onto this campus, after what had happened to me in my life and after that church and what I experienced there, I may have looked like I had it together, but I was dying. And I went to classes no one talked to me about the love of Jesus. No one invited me to church the whole time I was here. Maybe they did, but I didn't hear it. I don't think anyone did. I needed you. I wish that the me that I am didn't do the things that I did. But here's the thing. God's going to pursue who the who's he pursuing? God is going to pursue. Where eventually I'm talking to her and he's like, hey, Clay, you need to flirt with her a little bit more. Flirt with her, flirt with her, go ahead. I'm like, okay, okay, we're flirting, I'm flirting, I'm flirting. Next thing you know, he's in this, this, the voice of the enemy is like, get her number. Keep taking it a step further, keep taking it a step further until you know what happens. And I'm thinking to myself, what? This happened because the enemy's in my ear like, yo, Clay, how did you do that just now? You just met that girl. How did you just have sex with that girl just now? She, you can have an STD, bro. You can, you can have a, you can have a, a child out of, out of wedlock, man. What are you doing, man? Beating me up, beating me up, beating me up, beating me up. Now I'm feeling bad about myself. And this would continually happen all the time when I was living in the world. It was, it was like a, a continual thing. The instigator would become the prosecutor. He would instigate me to sin, and then he would prosecute me, make me feel bad. Yo, Clay, you, you probably got a, a disease now, bro. What are you doing? You probably got this woman pregnant. What are you doing? 
And then another day, I mean, probably a month, a month later, it's like, hey, girl, hey, hey, bro, look at that girl right there. Look at that girl. Look at that body. Pow, pow, man. What? Let's go. Let's go. You can go. Come on. Let's oh, oh, we go to the club. Hey, yo, you need to go take that girl home with you. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, that's what the enemy sounds like. Is filled with lies. And every time the lie came, I was bound. I was bound each and every time. It was as this, I was just being controlled and lured by the lie. Everywhere I went, every time I saw that, it was like controlled by the lie, controlled by the lie. And afterwards, I feel bad. But I wouldn't want to keep the lie around. And I would feel bad. And now I just want to keep the lie around. And I'd feel in shame. I'd feel being in condemnation. I would be in desperation and all that, guys. Until, until I finally came to Christ. And when I came to Christ, I started to find out that I can actually think like Christ because I have the mind of Christ. And when I started to think like Christ, that's when it changed the game. I found out that I can actually control my thought life. And that I didn't have to to be victim to lies anymore. I can actually renew my mind to the truth of who I am. And Paul has more. Check it out. Ephesians 4.20 through 24 says this. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. This is the good news, guys. That isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Now that Christ is in you and you're in Christ, now that you have, now you have the power to do the following. Check it out. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. As we make the transition from death to life, from sinner to saint, we must allow something very important to happen, guys, in our lives. We must allow Holy Spirit to renew the spirit of our minds. We must allow the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts, to renew our minds so that we can think more like Jesus. And this is why, we, this is how we can continually stay dead to sin. This is how we can continually say no to sin because we need the help. We need the help of Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts. And this is the journey that God invites us to. The journey to renew our minds. The journey to, one, surrender to God. Two, listen for God. And three, declare the truth of God over our lives. So here's what I want to do. I want us to declare the truth of God over our lives right now. We're going to do that right now. What I want everybody to do is to stand up for me. We're going to declare this truth, and here's what I want you to do. It's declare it with all your heart. If you don't agree with it, you don't have to say it. But if you want to say it, declare it with all of your heart. And I want you to experience how you feel. I want you to experience what's going on inside. And then I want you then, if, if you're at a place where you feel a difference, I want you to start adopting this confession exercise. And try to do it every day. Try to do it 
at least every week, but and see the difference it makes. So I want you to repeat after me and repeat after me emphatically. Here we go. I am a child of the King, gifted with the mind of Christ, and qualified to be co-heir with Jesus. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. His most prized possession. I am the apple of God's eye who's called me as a kingdom ambassador. I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. More than a conqueror. Dead to the power of sin. And alive to the glory of God. And by the grace of God. And by the grace of God. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. Amen. God bless you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. We don't have to carry these chains. We don't have to carry lies around. We can renew our mind. We have the choice and the freedom to renew our minds to truth. We don't have to carry lies because the lie will keep us bound each and every time, but the truth will keep us and set us free, will set us and keep us free. So I pray, Lord God, that we can go ahead and lay the chains down and say enough is enough. We don't have to be a victim to the lies from the enemy because we can be a son and daughter alive to an identity, alive to a renewed mind as we renew our mind to the truth of who we are in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Church said amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. And we pray that this has helped stir and awaken you to live alive to God like never before. If you want to connect with us, let's go. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Alive Vineyard College.